All right, in case you didn't figure it out, our church is going through a lot of transitions. And as Danny said, we've already been through some of the most dramatic transitions the church has faced in the last 50 years um, with COVID, but Cornerstone Church is going. Now, we're a church that goes through transitions all the time, all right? But we're even putting that onto hyperdrive um, with my retirement coming up. And, um, and so this morning, I want to talk about owning our transitions. And this is going to apply to us as a church in the transitions that we're going through. It also applies to me personally because I've never retired before. For over 40 years, I've been, um, been a pastor, which means that other than one of you, I was a pastor when you were born. <laughs> and I'm not a pastor because they pay me to be a pastor, okay? I'm a pastor because that's, that's my That's who I am, who I am called to be. So I've got this transition that I've been facing that a year ago I would have told you I was scared to death because I didn't know who I would be if I wasn't a pastor on staff in a church. And so over this last year, I was so scared that I knew that I needed to get some help. I knew I had to figure out how to process a massive change in my life that's as dramatic as anything that I've faced for decades. So um, for those of you who don't know, my last Sunday here will be July 9th. Um, and there'll be a send-off kind of a thing. So that will be my last. So in just six Sundays, I will um, come to the end of my time as lead pastor here at Cornerstone. So over these last 12 months, and by the way, I'm pretty sure that a bunch of you are going through life changes as well. Different levels of changes at different times in our lives. But if you're not in the middle of a significant life change right now, then you probably can't get two or three years out without being in the middle of a life change because life consists of change. So over these last 12 months, I met with a retirement coach. I met with my spiritual director. I met with the nominational leaders. I, I spend a lot of time with people who are retired and asking them, what's it like? How do you do this thing? Um, and because I'm me, I've read a bunch of books on getting old, right? Like getting old with grace and some of those kinds of things. Um, because there are these changes that we will go through throughout our lives. You guys are, are already in young adult. You've transitioned from adolescence. Most of you are in young adulthood. There will be massive changes when you get to middle adulthood and massive changes again when you get to later adulthood. And here's what I've learned. We can actually grow wise at handling transitions in our lives. We don't have to just get blown around randomly here and there because some transition has happened and we don't know what to do. We don't have to be surprised by transitions. We don't have to be the victims of them. We can grow wise in growing through the transitions and changes in life. And so today I want to share some of God's promises for us when we go through our transitions. And um, this will apply to, um, to us as a church. And this will apply to you individually, um, and it'll apply, obviously, as I said to me. A lot of you um, are, have just graduated, or a bunch of our graduates have already left, which means that you're entering into the next stage of your young adulthood where you are going to have to get a job or you're going to have to get into school. And learning adulting is really hard work. Um, others of you are um, 
trying to figure out how do you grow in your career field, and a bunch of you figure out within your first couple of years out of school that the career field that you thought you wanted to be in is not the one you definitely want to be in, and so you're thinking about how do you change not just jobs, but your career. And one of the major things for this life stage is what do we do with the changes that come into our lives with romance? What do we do when somebody comes into our life and we start to figure out, are we committed to this person forever? And then once we get married and then we start having children, and the life change, they just keep going and going and going. And because change is inevitable and not always controllable, it's really good to know that God has promises for us when we're going through changes and, tradition, and transitions. So let's start with the words that we use, um, the words change and transition. Author um, William Bridges wrote a book called Transitions, Making Sense of Life's Changes. Our denomination uses this book for individual changes and denominational change, uses it a lot. And William Bridges suggests that we use the word transition more than we use the word change. He says that when we try to manage change, normally what that means is we're trying to manage things that are outside of us that are affecting us. And so it's external. And he recommends that instead of spending most of our time trying to manage external change, that we instead work on the internal job of managing transitions within us so that we are doing the psychological and spiritual work inside of us when those changes come towards us. And, um, and we may not be able to, to manage what's happening to us, but we actually can decide how we're going to respond and react to changes when, when we find ourselves in one of those very predictable times of God is moving us from one place in our life to another place in our life. Because if Christianity is about anything, if the scripture is about anything, if spiritual growth is about anything, it is about change. It is about transitioning from where we have been to where we are going to be. So, shouldn't surprise us, right? God has lots of promises for us in times of transition and change. So, Bridges and others who focus on this whole process, um, they've identified three common phases of change and transition that apply individually and to organizations. It's not rocket science. If you think about it a little bit, you could come up with it on your own, but it's generally out there. And here's a slide from Bridges about the three phases of transition. Phase one, he calls the ending, losing, and letting go. We're gonna call that phase necessary endings. Phase two is, he calls the neutral zone. We're gonna call phase two the land between. And then phase through, phase, phase three, he calls the new beginning. And we're going to call phase three the new beginning. So to make this personal, what major changes are you in the middle of right now? Or maybe what major changes have happened to you in the last six to eight months? What major changes are happening to you right now? And if there aren't any major ones in the recent history or right now, what major, major changes are on the horizon coming towards you right now? Because as we discover God's promises through each phase of transition, 
we can keep in mind what's actually happening in our lives. So it's not something intellectual or in our head, but we're actually listening in our souls for what God has to say to us. Because each time we're in a transition, at any point in that transition, we can ask God, what phase of transition am I in? And dear God, what are your promises for me in this phase of this transition? So phase one, called ending, losing, and letting go. Transitions, weirdly, they begin with endings. The first phase of transition is about identifying what we are losing and figuring out how we're going to respond to those losses. For better or for worse, transition means something is over and something's going to be left behind. It might be certain relationships or school or workplaces. It might be a certain way of life. It might be a move to a new city. And Bridges makes this comments. He says, considering that we have to deal with endings all of our lives, he says, how is it that most of us handle them so, so poorly? So a Christian psychiatrist by the name of Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings, which is what we're going to call phase one. And there's a picture of the book up on the screen. And the central point of Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, is that for anything good to happen in our lives tomorrow, something has to end in our lives today. For anything good to happen tomorrow, something has to, otherwise it's just tomorrow's the same as today, something has to end in our lives today. And he begins by having us read Ecclesiastes 3, which is a very familiar passage to all of us. You've heard it before, I promise you. And he says, when we read Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, he says, pay attention to the endings because there are so many endings in this passage. So as I read these verses, listen for the endings. For everything, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant. There are seasons of planting and a time to pluck up what is planted, either of harvest or of weeding, a time to kill and a time to heal. There are some things that we need to kill off in our lives. There are seasons where we have to do that and seasons of healing, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn some of those things that are passing and a time to dance at the things that are coming a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. There are some things that we have to cast out of our lives so that we can gather other things. A time to embrace. There are some relationships that we're supposed to let go of, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and again, a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. To everything, there is a season. Not a forever, but a season. And seasons have endings. And many of us hold on to stuff in our lives long past when that season should have ended 
but the good news and the grace of God is that God is in the business of bringing about endings so that we can start new beginnings. God's in the business of, of moving us from one season to another. So he moves Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans to the new land where he wants Abraham to, to live. He moves the Israelites from slavery in Egypt into the desert to freedom and to the promised land. God moves Jesus from the courts of heaven as a second person of the Trinity to become human, to become flesh and dwell among us. Jesus moves fishermen from their nets and their boats to become fishers of men. Jesus moves us out of the kingdom of darkness into the God, kingdom of God's marvelous light. To everything, there is a season. And new seasons mean we have to leave stuff behind. We might have to leave behind some very predictable, dependable things in our lives that are simply getting in the way and freezing us up for the next thing that God has for us. As I said before, we may have to leave some relationships behind, or at least the way those relationships have been working, we have to leave behind. We might have to leave our boats and nets that give us security and predictability to step into something that is not certain that will actually take some faith. Most of us have to leave behind some patterns of thinking maybe some patterns of self-talk. We may have to leave behind stuff that feels essential, but it's only getting in the way for us. And that's not easy. Breaking patterns is hard work. And so everybody that looks at change says that we have to be intentional about identifying what we have to leave behind and grieving it. Otherwise, we become like the Israelites in the desert when they have been freed from slavery and it gets unpredictable and unsure and they just want to go back to Egypt to be slaves again because they can't handle the uncertainty and unpredictability of letting God lead, lead them. So, Henry Cloud encourages us to get familiar with pruning out of our lives everything that's holding us back. And there are a number of categories. There's stuff in our lives that really is dead. It's, it's dead branches, dead weight. He says we have to get, get really cruel and name those things so we can prune them out. But he says one of the harder things to prune out of our lives are things that are good, but they're getting in, in the way of us living our best lives. They suck energy and drain us and distract us from the greater work, the newer work that God wants to do in us and through us. And he insists on this point that we simply cannot sustain all the clutter we have collected and be able to live our best lives. So the challenge here as a community, as, as individuals, is can we get better at diagnosing when situations and relationships have no hope and should end? Can we get better at pruning stuff out of our lives? And can we help each other? Because there are things that our friends see in our lives that we don't see because we're so familiar. We can help each other by saying, hey, you know, I've watched this in you, and it doesn't seem to have life. Can we get, get it to be normal for us to grieve 
in times of transition? Can we get comfortable with necessary endings? Because as hard as it is to, to end some things, resisting the necessary endings sucks our life and energy and joy, and it sadly, it delays us from what God has for us next. So what are the promises that I see in phase one of transitions? I found two of them in Exodus chapter 3, because that's, that's the passage of talking about the Israelites leaving Israel and being going to the promised land. The first one is Exodus 3.11, where God says to them, before they leave Egypt, he says, I will be with you. There is no phase of any transition in your life that God will not be present with you to guide you, to lead you, to give you wisdom, to comfort you. So lean on God's presence. When nothing else is certain, we can always lean into the certainty of God's presence. So that's the first promise. God says, I will be with you. Second promise, also in Exodus chapter 3, um, and the Israelites are, are leaving slavery. Um, and this one was shared with me by an African-American pastor friend um, this last week. Um, he and I were, were doing a Zoom. He lives in Minneapolis. And he said that in his times of transition, his times of phase one necessary endings, he holds on to the promise of Exodus 3 verse 21, which I didn't have a clue what it was. And he said, Exodus 3 21 says, God says to the people, when you go, you will not leave empty-handed. It's about plundering the Egyptians, but it's even more about when you are moving into that next stage, God will give you exactly what you need. He has been giving you what you need. You will not go out empty-handed. So Richard Rohr talks a lot about change in a lot of his, his books. He writes this, he says, the mystery of transformation more often happens not when something new begins, but when something old falls apart. The pain and chaos of something old falling, up, falling apart invites the soul to listen at a deeper level and sometimes forces the soul to go to a new place. He says, most of us would never go to new places in any other way. So one of the gifts of God's grace when things are falling apart in our lives is maybe it's the first step to a new beginning. And then Barbara Holmes also writes about this. She says, transitions can only take place if we're willing to let go of what we have known, the worlds we have created, and our assumptions about the way things are. She says, to let go is the precursor to being reborn. Letting go may be the only path towards rebirth. And she says the truth of the matter is that when the worst happens, our addictive desire for control is fully exposed. If we're wise, we open our minds, our hands, our hearts, and we let go. And when we let go, the only constants are God's love and God's promise that we will never be left alone. So can I encourage you? Don't, don't run from changes. Don't run from your fear of transitions. Lean towards them because this may be a new thing that God wants to do in you. So two questions that Bridges wants us to reflect on in phase one of our transitions. He says, 
what is it time for you to let go of in your life right now that's getting in the way of your best life right now? Would you reflect on that this week, today, and, and over the next few days? What is it time for you to let go of right now that is getting in the way of your best life right now? Then his second question I found was kind of interesting. He says, what is standing backstage in the wings of your life waiting to make an entrance? Because there's something that God may have for you that can't get there until you let go of some of those other things. So that's the first phase of change and transition. As I said, Bridges calls phase two the neutral zone. We're going to call it the land between. The land between. Um, the phase, this phase is the in-between time when what is coming hasn't showed up, shown up, but what we've left is now behind us, hence the land between. And people who study change and how humans process change say that the critical psychological realignments and spiritual repatterings patternings take place here in the land between. We grieve what's left, but the really hard work is done in the land between. And Bridges says as well, he says, he calls it the neutral zone, but it's not neutral in any way. This is us living in a world where, where Christ has come and the kingdom is here, but the world is still broken and not complete. And we live in this yearning. This is um, the disciples mourning Jesus' death because they don't know that he is going to rise from the dead. And they're in that land between. This is the Egyptians in the desert for 40 years in the land between. So this has been me in the last year. Um, I haven't quite retired yet, but I've already been in the land between because I've been letting go, and that's been hard work. And I'm trying to continue to let go while trying to process what's going on internally in this transition in my life. Um, most of you know that I had knee surgery. I'm in the land between of my knee surgery. The old arthritic knee is gone, all right? And sometimes it hurts so much right now, I want to go back. I want to go back to slavery. <laughs> but I can't go back because that's done. But I'm not yet at the point where I can play volleyball and, and play basketball with all you guys, right? So I'm in this land in between. And Jeff Mannion wrote a book called The Land Between. The picture will show up up here. Um, and, and he says that we think that the desert, and what he's doing is he's looking at the Israelites in the desert, particularly in Numbers 11. He says, we think the desert is a place of barrenness where, where, where there's no life and nothing can happen. But that is so far from the truth. And Mannion says, when we look at, in Numbers 11 at the Israelites, the desert is fertile ground. It's fertile ground first, he says, for grumbling and complaining. The land between, when things are not sure and we are a bit shaken up, is a time that we can be tempted to murmur and complain. And here's something you ought to know about God. God gets kind of pissed at his people when they're murmuring and complaining all the time. All right? The land between is fertile time for murmuring. Uh, Mannion also says the land between is fertile ground for emotional and spiritual meltdown. So Moses, when the people are complaining, Moses is talking to God, and he says, that's it, God, I can't handle it anymore. If you really love me, God, kill me right now. 
the land between, is fertile time for emotional meltdown because we get in over our heads. We don't know how to find our bearings. And Mannion says that if we're really, really honest, the land between is sometimes a place where faith goes to die. But in contrast, the land between is also fertile ground for God to work in us. In the land between, we can discover that God will guide us like he guided the Israelites by day and by night. Faithfully, God will guide. We can discover that God will provide for our daily needs like he gave the Israelites manna in the desert so that their daily needs would be met. We can discover where we've put our hope in so many things that are undependable and unreliable that are not God. We can discover that God will guide us to the promised land precisely when we're internally and spiritually ready for it. So, Mannion says, the land between isn't a desert of barrenness. It is a greenhouse for maturity. So, when you're in a transition, once you realize that you're, you're out of phase one and you're in this middle space, then look for the opportunities for God to shape you internally. This is a unique, it's a time-limited opportunity for us to grow into who God wants us to be for the next stage. And if we refuse to grow, I'm pretty sure we stay longer in the desert. It took 40 years for the people of Israel to finally be purified, to be ready to go to the promised land because they kept murmuring and complaining and kept resisting God. This is an opportunity. And for many of you, the land between, one of the major aspects of the land between right now in many of your lives is that you want to someday be married, but you don't know if you're ever going to find somebody that you will be able to love forever and will love you forever. And it's this uncertain time because none of us can predict when God's going to bring a significant other into our lives. And what I've said to so many of you, and I say to all of you again, this is a time-limited opportunity for you to grow in unique ways that is your time between so that God will make you ready for what he has for you next. Now, I realize that this next thing, I meant to create a slide for it. I didn't get it done. If you want it, you can email me or text me, and I'll send it to you. But here's what, um, what Bridges says and encourages us to do in the land between, He's, or what he calls the neutral zone. He says, number one, accept our need for time there. We all do the neutral zone very differently, okay? Your style will be different than, than the people sitting around you. But he says, we all seem to need significant time to do it well. So this is not something to be rushed. Accept our need for time in the neutral zone. Secondly, he says, find a regular place and time to be alone. Because internal sorting of the work that God wants to do, it's not done well with distractions. And if you're constantly distracted, you won't do the deeper work that God wants you to do. Number three, he says, journal during the neutral zone, during the land between, because it will help clarify what's going on with your thoughts and your reflections. Fourthly, he says, take time in the neutral zone to figure out what you really want. 
What is your true heart's desire? So when I was meeting with my retirement coach, um, the second session he said, he said, Bill, here's what I want you to do. And because I was, <laughs> first he said, I, second session he said, I figured out why you're so freaked out about retirement. I said, why is that? And he said, because you've been planning to retire, but you haven't been planning your retirement. He says, here's what I would like you to do. Open up a Google Doc and start writing down, what do you really want in your life right now? And then secondly, he said, write down, what do you never, ever want to do ever again in your life right now? He says, it's time for you to start figuring out your desires to plan for your retirement. And then number five, Bridges recommends that we think about what would be unlived in our lives if we get out of the neutral zone too soon. Because we can, can push and bully our way through, but leave undone the work that God wants to do. So if you are single, you are in this zone or space where God can grow you in certain ways that will end once that significant other comes into your life. If you're married and you don't have kids, you're in a zone where you can grow in certain ways that eventually a kid's going to pop in and change all of that. And that's going to be true once you have children, once your children start to grow older, once your children move away, once you get to where Marla and I are of empty nest. There are time-limited opportunities for us to grow through the changes. So what's God's promise for us in the land between? I think it's this. It's that he is at work in us. So it's Philippians 1.6 where the Apostle Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The promise of the second phase of transition is God is at work. And so I love this quote from Helen Keller, show up on the screen. Um, I just think it applies really well for the land between. The bend in the road is not the end of the road, unless you fail to make the turn. The land between is figuring out how to make the turn, which leads us to the third phase of transitions. And Bridges calls it new beginnings. And we see this all over the scriptures. Isaiah 14, verses 18 and 19. God says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. God so far, goes so far as to say, forget what is past, right? God says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And then I love this. God says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. New beginnings is this exciting time when we get energy for what God is. This is, this is revival for what God is going to do next. It's, it's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's one of the great things about be, being followers of Jesus is we are continually being made new. And the new beginnings that God brings into our lives are marked by this release of energy and, and this excitement about the new direction. And you know, we're going to talk about the transitions going on here at Cornerstone. I loved hearing people up here saying they're excited about what's coming next. 
because what has been has been okay, but God has something new, and we can be excited about what he will do next. Now, lots of times those new beginnings are pretty tiny, and so Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So they may be very small things in you or very small things in our church or in your friend group or in your small group or in your family. They might be very small, but God rejoices to see the work begin. And there's two other scriptures here. One of them that you know I love because I say it to you so often. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the promise of new beginnings, is God's able to do stuff that we cannot even dream about, that we wouldn't even have the courage to ask. God has new things for you in many parts of your life and for Cornerstone Church. And then Revelation 21.5, Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. I am making all, we can grow wise in the transitions and changes in our life. We don't just have to be blown here and there by the storms that happen. We can grow wise. So this next slide up here is just kind of a summary. And if you want to, you can take a picture of it. Um, this is what I'm going to retirement with, with a confidence that God is at work and that he will be with me. This is, this is the confidence that I have that, that he's begun a good work and he's not going to quit that work till he's done. I'm moving into retirement with this. I pray that Cornerstone Church moves into our future knowing these promises. And I pray that you will move into your future with God knowing that God will be faithful. And he will continue the work of making you new. He starts with salvation, then moves to sanctification, and moves on to glorification. God will not finish the work that he is doing within you. All we need to do is stay with him so that he can do that work. So let's pray together. Father, over these last three weeks, we've talked about owning our doing so that we're not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we talked about owning our growing, so that we're not waiting around for somebody else to grow us mature, so we're not waiting around for you to do stuff that you've called us to do, but that we are owning the spiritual practices that shape us to be like Jesus, so that we can touch the world the way Jesus would touch the world. And then today, owning our transitions. Thank you for your grace, because we could not have any of this confidence if we did not have you but you love the new beginnings and the transformations. And sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's abrupt, but it's always hopeful because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because we believe that we too will rise from the dead, we know the best is yet to come in our lives, the best is yet to come for Cornerstone Church because our Savior is a risen Savior. And so how can we help but 
rejoice in you and ask you to do the deep work that you want to do for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.